Whether you have a job or if you're looking for a new one, the use of technology to find your next position can be more complicated than the last time you looked for a job. On this episode of Today in Tech, we're going to chat whether about technology is helping or hurting the job hunt for many candidates. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Joining me on the show today is Chewy Senanayaka, a human resources expert who has assisted with more than 50,000 job placements as CEO of the Job Helpers. Welcome to the show, Chewy. Thank you so much, Keith. Thanks for having me here today. How did I do on your on the pronunciation of your last name? Because I was afraid I was going to... I got close, I think, right? You did fantastic. You <laughs> get it. You got it, man. You, you said it perfectly fine. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, yeah, because, you know, you try phonetically and it's like, no, it's not phonetic. So, uh, all right, let's just jump jump, jump into uh, some of the topics here. Um, you know, I, I got the impression that finding, trying to find a job, uh, you know, about 20 to 30 years ago, it didn't seem as hard as it feels today. Uh, there's been a lot That's of technology correct. improvements. There's been job sites. There's been, um, you know, applying for a job is not just filling out a piece of paper, and mailing it in or, or going into the company and filling out a, an application. Uh, we now have artificial intelligence that is scanning uh, resumes and or being used to write resumes and all those kind of things. So Talk us through what changes you've seen in, 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 the, uh, in the space for companies that are trying to find the right candidates for you know, their jobs that they have, but also from the job hunter, hunter perspective. You bet. No, absolutely. So you're absolutely right. 20, 30 years ago, you can just uh, a handshake was was kind of the mandatory thing uh, for you to get a job. Nowadays, AI, like you said, uh, and then data screening and data scraping and everything that's happening in the in the tech space has kind of influenced hiring directly. Because what these employers are thinking, okay, if we were to get a pool of candidates, maybe 500 to 1,000 people that they can look at fairly quickly and then have their screener software, we call it the ATS in human resources terms, applicant tracking system software programs, 93.7% of employers, if you do your research, you'll see that that many employers, medium to large size companies are using that kind of technologies. You'll also see that in education, you'll also see that the same technology being used uh, kind of in every dimension industry that you can think of. So we're kind of living in more of a tech age and data-driven recruiting is kind of the name of the game for these employers because they're thinking, okay, if we can look at a lot of candidates and make a decision fairly quickly to interview who they would like to, that's a better option for them. So that's what we are really seeing right now. And, and you started seeing this probably around 2010. You, uh, is that the is that a right time Correct. frame? I mean, when I yeah, when I was at Microsoft, uh, a very interesting um, dilemma uh, that occurred in my brain where um, I was talking to a hiring manager and a recruiter at the time. This was back in 2013 era. And I, when I was talking to the recruiter, they were like, you don't have the keywords. And the hiring manager was like, yeah, this resume is too dense, too much. Um, I don't want to read this. So then I was thinking, okay, what am I doing wrong? What can I do to correct that? Yeah. So I kind of, the, the, the keyword piece really got me to thinking, okay, what, what are keywords? What are they doing on the other side? That got me to this 
um, research process where I started to think about, okay, what are keywords and why are they using them? And then I soon realized, okay, they're using a screening platform, even at Microsoft at the, at the time, for you to pass through that system, you need to have certain specific algorithmic data points like keywords, phrases, topics, lingo, verbiage, competencies, years of experience and achievements. Mm -hmm. So they can rack up all of that information on their platform. And then they're going through these job applications, comparing that with the job postings. And then all of a sudden now they have a better uh, match for the positions. And, and, and you were telling me uh, before we uh, jumped on the recording that, uh, there's a huge jump in the number of companies that are using ATS uh, platforms for jobs. It, it went from somewhere like 64% of companies to now 97%. I mean, that's almost a hundred percent. Like, you, you know, you could, it would be Pretty rare much. to find a company that's not using an, an ATS. Uh, wh what were the reasons for that? I mean, I, I can, I know, I, I know the answer, but I want, I want you to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Keith. That's a great question. The reason for that is because everything changed during the pandemic, especially the hiring process. Uh, even the companies who were kind of, you know, brick and mortar or mom and pop shops had to kind of evolve themselves super fast to the point where, okay, we're doing all of this online nowadays. Even the businesses were going online versus and asking employees to work from home. So that dynamic really brought up this applicant tracking system software to the forefront or AI systems and screening processes to the forefront. So what really happened was we, we went from, like you said, 64% before the pandemic, which is two years ago, 20 or three years ago now, 2020 to nowadays 93.7% of employers using that same exact system. And guess what? If you do a quick Google search yourself, you'll see the average time a recruiter or a hiring manager spending on a resume these days is about seven to 10 seconds, wow. which is not a lot. of Yeah. Okay. So I want to, I want to go through uh, some of the things that um, people probably assume they should do if they're looking for a new job. And, and I want, you know, with your experience, I need you to say whether people should yes, do this, no, do this, or explore something else. So uh, first one is, is pretty easy. Uh, should, should they update their resume to fit a specific style or um, <clears throat> insert these keywords, you know, match it to the job description, that kind of things, or <clears throat> I'm sorry, the, um, you know, how much of, how much, how much updating, of the resume should they do? Do they, can they still get by with a generic resume for a lot of different positions or do you need one specific resume for each job that you're applying for? I, there's a Great lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get this question a lot, right? So um, every person I talk to about their resume because we do free resume reviews all day at the job helpers. All right, that's so your first plug. That's it. No more plugs after that. All right, all right, all right. So that free resume review that we offer to anyone, right? So what we do is we we tell them, hey, think of it this way, okay? If you were to, if you are a really good salesman, what you're not going to do is um, you're not going to customize for every every sales pitch for every prospect, right? Which is really hard to do. They might have their own unique situation, but then find the needs, find the, the things that you can address right away and then start to pitch. So that's the same process you wanna take with the resume writing or resume building process where you wanna ask yourself questions like, okay, 
Find your own scope, meaning ask yourself questions like what kind of titles, what kind of locations, what kind of salary expectations, and what industries you want to target. Now you're narrowing it down to the point where you, you can clearly say, okay, these are the type of positions you can ballpark it, uh, two, three positions that you can think of that would fit with each other. And then think about, okay, now I need to think about all the key words. So that means you want to go through some of these job postings, how to say LinkedIn, Indeed, Career Builders, Zip Recruiter, major job boards, company sites. Now um, you're doing a little bit of legwork yourself, but when you're doing it initially, you don't have to customize the resume as you go. You're doing that up, up front, maybe take a weekend, Saturday or Sunday, and then going through, drawing up all these job postings and then looking through them and using, I mean, as a company, we use the ATS applicant tracking system software program to get a more of an accurate yeah. match of those keywords. And then we know, okay, 15 years of experience is listed 95% of the time by 100 jobs. So that means that 15 plus years needs to go on the first sentence because you have 25 years of experience. You don't need to list out 25 years because the system cannot read it, but it can read 15 plus years. That's what we need to add. Okay. So just like that, you're assembling the resume based off of what kind of key terms are getting repeated most of the time. So that way you can apply okay. for more. What, what for about, what about simple things like just, you know, font choices, uh, uh, you know, pictures of those Very types well. of things like, like should I, you know, it used to be, you could, you could spruce up a resume um, to jump out from all of the, just the boring black and white ones by using different file uh, designs, formats, things like that. Does that matter? Or now, because you know that it's going to be read by a computer, at least initially that, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to do that. Like, should you format your resume to fit these ATSs? You know, plain text, like, again, if I used Comic Sans on mine, I'd probably get thrown out by a human, but uh, you know, an ATS doesn't care about Comic Sans, right? Or or does it? <laughs> so, you, a great question. I yeah. mean, fonts-wise, think about if you're using Microsoft Word or Google Docs or any of these documents, word processing fonts are the ones that I would use, meaning ATS systems are a little bit lagged per se because a lot of companies are using these systems they're expensive over a hundred thousand dollars to put in a system like that so they're not updating those systems um, at least for seven to ten years so what you want to think about is you want to you don't want to use graphics or pictures on your resume the reason why is because um, those systems cannot read through those pictures. It could give an error. So for the format itself, we were talking about that earlier. If you have like a side-by-side -side format where you have your name on the left column and then you have your contact details on the left side, you have core competencies listed on the left side, and then on the right side, you might have your professional experience and the rest of the, the rest of the work history. Well, the difficulty is the system is reading the left column first, and then it might even not move to the right column because it reads from left to right, so top to bottom. So you want to think about a format choice that would work through the ATS system. A good way to identify um, if your resume is ATS compatible, what we have seen in the past is uh, go on LinkedIn or uh, excuse me, Indeed, mm -hmm. go on Indeed, <clears throat> upload your resume for a job, any job really. Once you upload the job, upload your resume to a specific role, uh, Indeed will ask you either to manually upload or add content to um, to their platform right. because the ATS 
them couldn't read the content listed on the resume or some parts are missing out of your resume. It didn't get copied and pasted correctly. That's why you need to add that information. About the font, font choices, you can use Tacoma, you could use Calibri, and then you could use Arial. Those are the three fonts that we would recommend at the job okay. helpers. And, and uh, that's two. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, so the next question would be in terms of the LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn profile. Yes, update that. Keep that going. Like, is that the major site where you want to present yourself in addition to your resume? Uh, you know, I, and then the next question would be, you know, the the job boards. Um, it's definitely yes, no, or other alternative for LinkedIn. Yes, for LinkedIn, absolutely. LinkedIn is expensive for employers, about $100 per posting per day, I think, mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. So absolutely, yes, because employers wouldn't spend their money if they're not serious. Okay. And then um, what about going to other job boards such as Glassdoor, Indeed, ZipRecruiter? Are those worth it? Or is that just if you, you know, more for the job search rather than the, the other tools that they might offer? Glassdoor is an important tool because it can show you salary. So that's the reason why uh, someone or anyone would go to Glassdoor, to be completely honest. Those jobs are maybe posted on LinkedIn as well, but Glassdoor is a good place. Indeed has the most amount of jobs. So as far as, far as volume, I believe for you to post a job on Indeed, it's about $38 on average per day. That's what they tell you. So, I mean, looking at Indeed and LinkedIn, probably you're better choices. ZipRecruiter is good with their marketing platform, meaning they'll send you jobs all the time. But I've, I've heard that, okay, it's just throwing out jobs for you. Uh, sometimes even sales jobs for an engineering, right. um, like first best specialty. So that could be the, the issue there. Uh, okay. So um, have these, these ATS platforms from what you've seen, have, have they evolved? Are they starting to add more artificial intelligence or um gener you know generative ai to their processes or are they is it still from that 2010 uh era where they're just it's scanning resumes creating then a checklist and ranking for the appropriate keywords you know did you ha have you seen improvements in in the ats platforms especially when it comes to machine learning and, and automation it is definitely improving. I mean, the three systems that we've seen out there that are predominantly used are going to be Workday, ADP, and iSIMS. ADP has been out there for a long time. They've been doing payment process, I mean, payroll yep. um, and other other things. And Workday has really, it's a newer player. Um, I believe the CEO just sold his company. I, if I don't quote me on it, but um, so Workday is, a, is the newest player in the market and Workday has also has its own ERP platform that they're building right now, or they have it out there and people, I mean, like employers are subscribing to it. So Workday is a newer platform. Workday works the, works the best according to my knowledge, but those platforms will take a little bit. It'll have multiple iterations. So within the next five years or so, we'll see that predictive analytics coming into play for sure. Okay. And, and, you know, on, on the flip side with, uh, with a job seeker, should they use generative AI tools, you know, like ChatGPT or, or some other uh, search engine type thing, you know, things where they're into a search engine that can also create uh, tools from, from generative AI? Should they use those to help them write, you know, a resume or a cover letter or anything like that? Uh, does that help or are you seeing more companies 
utilize uh, generative AI to find out if Gen AI, Gen AI was used, and they might ding you if it can detect that a, that a, uh, a you know an AI wrote your you know cover letter, for example. Yes, uh, that's a concern. And yeah. uh, the other concern is privacy, because just imagine if you work for a large company, they have confidentiality built out, or even a small company or medium sized, whatever that uh, that company looks like, they might have confidentiality set around the fact that, okay, you cannot share some of that detail. If you were to add all of this information, copy and paste it to ChatGPT, that might be an issue for you personally because ChatGPT is open AI. So anyone can access it. It's like a sandbox. So that's one of those issues that you're going to run into. But you can have specific prompts on ChatGPT that could help you. Like say for an instance, be a resume writer, ChatGPT, and then build me or give me the best 10 examples out of my career based out of this resume that I've um, copied and pasted. That's a good way to do it. Or uh, find me the tech jobs or IT manager jobs and then bring that up to me or uh, look at this job posting and then give me maybe the key terms or keywords. Um, but the difficulty with ChatGPT is ChatGPT's last, last iteration came in and 2021, I believe. Yeah. So the AI, the ATS platform is a little lagging, I believe. I, so well, I, I, think the, I think the new one has been updated a little bit. I think GPT-4 might be, if you, if you subscribe to the, for, if you can get in to the, uh, the yeah. GPT plus at the, at the moment. Uh, okay. So uh, what about companies that might be looking to, to scan resumes? Are you, are you seeing that as well? Or is that just not an issue at this point? You mean the the companies that yeah, scan it, resumes? Like, so if I'm if I'm hiring someone and I get a resume, do I do I scan it and then say was this written by a human? So yeah. that could be a real issue because, as you know, college students do this yeah. for the thesis channel. Yeah. So there are systems that are built. So I would be careful, even if ChatGPT wrote your resume. Maybe I would make some modifications or you know change things, change layout, change format. Right. ChatGPT couldn't write you today. It cannot write a full resume for you. It it can write sentences for you, but it definitely can write uh your, write your cover letters for you yeah. for sure. All right. Yeah. You, so, so you brought up cover letters. Is it still necessary to write a cover letter in, you know, in the 2024 uh, world, 2023, 2024? Do you still need I to write one? I would say yes. Yeah. How I would say <laughs> yes. There, well, the, well, majority of people will tell you cover letters are inundated. The reason why is because if you search on Google, only 10% of hiring managers are actually reading through cover letters. However, we're talking about ATS systems. So your entire application gets screened. That means if you were to add your resume and cover letter to that application, that means it's going to go through the system together. So it's another way for you to add more keywords and it'll you'll have more real estate to work with. So that's an advantage of having a cover letter today in 2023 and 2024. And another area I would focus on is now, say if you were to go into an interview and then they like you, but then they like this other candidate as well, they cannot make up their mind. You have a cover letter. Chances are you get A for effort, you get picked <laughs> for that. All right, so it's <laughs> so at least it's so it's it shows an indication that 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 the person is more serious about a job than maybe someone who's just making five thousand resumes and just spitting them out all over the place, right? 
praying okay. and praying versus strategically applying. Yeah, and and do you are you concerned about some of these automated systems that scan through resumes and in terms of potential bias? Um, I know that that was a big issue with with a lot of these AIs that have come out where, you know, for example, if they have an engineer, like an IT engineer position, um, the system would would spit out fewer like it would it would delete or disqualify female applicants versus male applicants because of the training set behind it. Has that mm-hmm. issue is that still uh, top of mind for everybody or do you think that that the technology has gotten better to eliminate a lot of these biases? Because oh, it's, it's, it's a law in New York too, isn't it? Like the New York yes. City uh, system can't, like the New York City hiring system, um, is, you have to prove that your AI isn't biased, right? Yes, and that's a that's a great point. I don't yeah. think the biases are are resolved by any means. They're still there. A lot of older candidates all often tell me that they're not getting picked by the AI systems because of the word count. Um, that's a real, real issue as well. Um, so, and also biases are also there um, on the technological front. Um, so there's, they, they could screen it however they like. I don't think there is a certain criteria you can select today to weed out female and male, um, but um, that could be a hiring manager thing that they they're doing it on the back end, but the system is not smart enough. I, I would say to do certainly the okay weed out male and female because some names could go both ways as well. So that might create some issues. And also, if they're doing that, that'll be kind of illegal, right? Yeah. So that's another issue as well. But then again, the ageism is a real issue as well. That's also illegal for for employers to not offer you a job because of your age, but it happens because now they can create criteria around it where, oh, do not accept candidates that have more than thousand words or a thousand um, word count. Um, that could be an issue. Well, right. So, you know, for an example, for example, I think the last time I was looking for a job, I had had like uh, 25 years of experience at that point, starting from like the first job I got out of college. And yeah. if, if I if I listed out all of the different jobs I had since, I, you know, from that time period, you, you could probably yeah. figure out how old I was. And so yeah. what I did, you know, so I technically hid a lot of those early jobs, um, right. it, even though it could show uh, a broader experience of different yeah. different types of companies that I've worked for. I just focused on all right, what number are they putting in the, the job posting and then match that to the with my resume. It's like, okay, you want 10 plus years of experience, I'll give you 10 plus. Uh, or if you're looking for 15, I'll give you the 15. I would never go beyond the, the, you know, the higher number. Um, is, that, is that sort of what everyone has to do now or uh, to, to fight off the potential ageism issue? Correct, correct. And and what you could also do is you can create your resume a little bit differently. So say some um, the summary section that we add to the resume. Um, so you can bring in older experience into into play right away on the summary section, talking about personal growth attainment. If you have like an older experience that would resonate with the, the future opportunities, you can bring it in. And then or team accomplishments, organizational impact type of details, you can bring that up um, or even core competencies, maybe a, a skill that you 
uh, excelled at 15, 20 years ago is coming into play. You want to add that in or even creating a section called career highlights, uh, three to four major accomplishments out of your career before you put your work history. And even on the work history section, you can segment it to the point where you show 15 years of experience and anything beyond that, you can call it additional experience and then show it without the actual dates. You could say two years here, three years here, yeah. something like that yeah. matter. So then the employer has to ask you questions about when did you work and how did you do this? I mean, all of that, that'll be a conversation that you're having with the employer. That'll be uh, technically an interview. So you can kind of, I mean, there'll, there'll be body language involved. They'll be, they'll be seeing you at that point. Yeah. So I think that's a better way to pitch. Are, are there, um, are there specific uh, adjectives or words that people should probably not use if they're worried about, um, ageism or, or, you know, other types of issues, you know, that might come up in, in, in the bias part of things. Like, for example, if I, if I called myself a veteran, uh, technology journalist, does, does veteran imply old? <laughs> like, you know, should I, should, you know, I, I, I came up with, you know, this, this came up in, in, in my, in my brain when we were trying to explain, um, uh, so, you know, a, a brand that we were trying to promote. There was an older brand that we were trying to promote. And I, I think I used the word legacy and someone said to me, yeah, legacy implies old. Um, so, you know, should you avoid words to describe yourself that might get, uh, that's probably more of a human thing rather than a, a, a an ATS thing, right? Or, correct, or correct, do, do, correct. do they so, spit out, do they reject some resumes based on some of the adjectives or, you know, in a resume not so much yeah not so much because the system what it does is if you look at workday or any of these systems it just copies and pastes so someone in it most likely would copy and paste the job posting to the system and then um you have your application going through it's directly correlating or matching with that to understand what you have so if they have put in certain items on the like requirements qualifications criteria on the um, on the job posting, it's directly matching to to your resume or your application. So, so I wouldn't worry too much with the ageism factor unless you're doing these things. If you're saying something like 40 years or 30 years, that's just too much. As soon as someone gets to read it, they'll be like, oh, this person has 30 years of experience. We don't need that much. Right. Need that kind of experience, they might be asking for more more money. So these preconceived notions will come into play as soon as they get to open this resume. So stay away from saying, I mean, aging yourself unnecessarily. And like you said, legacy, right? So if you have used some legacy software, like say MS DOS, <laughs> that's something you shouldn't. That that's something I wouldn't talk about on a resume nowadays yeah. because how many moons ago was it, right? Or or even the older software, the, the clunky ones that, that are not even, the companies not, are not even in business. You want to stay away from that kind of verbiage or lingo, because if it's a technical job, they want to know the latest and greatest, say Python or R or other yeah, things yeah. that you can bring to the table versus I know C Sharp. Uh, unless you're a COBOL programmer. Or C++. In year, yeah, unless you're a COBOL programmer in 1998, um, and that's when all of the, those skills were really in demand because of the whole Y2K issue. Um, you, know, you know, I guess that then then that would be OK to, to use. Uh, what are what are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're, uh, you know, put on their resumes or cover letters? What what have you seen? Uh, you know, some some of these people that 
or like, what would you recommend people not do? So a couple of things, right? I mean, you, when you put paragraphs or when you put paragraphs on a resume or even on your cover letter, I mean, I would personally would not put paragraphs on a resume because they just look big block sentences that the employer has to read through or a recruiter. They would not read through it. They would just skim it through instead have summarized bullet points on the resume all throughout for 35 sentences for two pages if you're adding thousand words or less. Uh, for a cover letter, my recommendation is also have some bullet points, maybe three to four bullet points right in the middle of the cover letter, um, and then have maybe two to three sentences that are paragraphs um, that you can discuss, but keep it clean, keep it maybe two to three lines um, for every sentence that you're adding in. And I wouldn't add more than two to three sentences into a paragraph. Because yeah. They're just not I, I've, I've heard that. basically three paragraphs for a, a cover letter, like express what job you're looking for, tell, tell why you fit and then express enthusiasm for what, you know, why you want that job or, you know, excited to, exactly. to you know, to learn more or contact me kind of thing. Uh, okay. Exactly. Uh, are, are typos uh, a problem or does it not matter with typos? <laughs> yes, it is an issue. The okay. reason why is because think of these hiring, uh, the people who are in hiring or recruiters, they get to see resumes all day, just like me, right? I have myself in 10 years, I've seen 250,000 resumes. So as soon as I get to see a resume, I get, I can easily check on, oh, and say, oh, you're not doing this correctly or you're misspelled this word or something. Now, that's because of practice. It's the muscle memory that comes into play. These people are doing the same thing over and over and over again. So majority of the time, they are kind of acclimated to the idea of you need to have good grammar. That person is more, um, they're communicating well. At the same time, attention to detail is there. So those things would come into play. And then also the third element is tools like Grammarly, can come into play as well. The hiring manager or someone who is hiring you or the recruiter might have Grammarly downloaded or they might have a Grammarly subscription where they, they're trying to email you and then now when they open up your resume in Microsoft Word, they just saw multiple issues on it. That might be an issue as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it feels like common sense, but uh, you know, my wife has, has gotten a lot of resumes and she looks at them and she just like shakes her head because she sees typos yep. on, on these resumes. And I was like, you know, it, it just shows a lack of effort. Um, there are, you know, there, like you said, Grammarly and spell check and all these other things are out there for, uh, to correct those types of things. All right. That reminded me of another question. I'm going to go off uh, book a little bit here. Uh, as a human resume, you know, as, as a human looking at a resume, is there any bias for someone that might use an older email address? Like if you got someone who had their email was AOL.com, for example, I'm going to pick on AOL. Uh, if I saw that, <laughs> if I saw, uh, oh, what was the, uh, there was another one, I, like a Hotmail account. Like if, if my email oh, address no. was Hotmail. And Yahoo. Or Yahoo, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know if I'd really want to hire this person. Is that a thing, or is that, or is that just me being, you know, techist? Or I guess. Or Comcast.net, huh? Or Comcast.net. I see a lot of. Them. Well, <laughs> they, they're okay. still in business. They, yeah. So Gmail.com is our recommended email to use. To be completely honest, or yeah. Outlook, or something that that is kind of more what people are using nowadays. So it just doesn't give give the reviewer the idea of oh this person is different or some of them 
Uh, the the biggest difficulty, even more than the the actual email email provider, is the fact that some people put in um, Joe nineteen seventy five at yahoo.com <laughs> yeah, or something exactly. like that, yeah. right? So <laughs> that is an issue, right? When you put your your uh, like birth date, that's a that's a real issue because when you put that, I even ask people, was this the the date or the year you were born? They're like, yeah, how did you know? Well, your email tells it all, right? So I picked on it right away. So that means the hiring manager is more inclined to do the same thing. So you're catching on to certain things like that, little bits of things, but then those are important things to for your first impression. Do you see uh, uh, Generation Z uh, uh, resumes that might not even have an email address on them and they're just like, oh, well, just text me? Or, 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 or do you see like an Instagram handle or or something like that like i i would recommend probably finding at least an email address right if you want to be taken seriously for these jobs correct correct yeah. correct it's a i mean social media is social media you do want to add a link to your linkedin profile because even though it's social media it's more of the professional network so if you click on your linkedin profile um, link on your resume, they should be able to find you on LinkedIn, connect with you. They might also see mutual connections uh, who are connected to you and also recommendations that you receive. So, and then also your profile, who you're connected to. Otherwise you can see all of those things. Right. But then Instagram or other uh, social platforms are not set up that way. So it's not really recommended for you to add TikToks or other, um, and unless- Unless, unless you're, you're yeah, I was gonna say, unless you're applying for like a social media manager position, then you can use your hand, you know, your accounts to show how good you are at something. Exactly. Yeah. Say if you have like, you know, 200,000 followers on Twitter, now you wanna share that Twitter handle with them for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, do you think that people should utilize automation or other tools to, you know, can they still do that without having to technically hire, you know, a, a job coach or a resume service writer or, or anything like that? Do you, do you think that there are still, you know, to get to that other hurt, you know, past some of these hurdles, or do you feel like that the end, of, and again, this might be a little biased because that's the service you're in, but you know, <laughs> without going to those well, services, can, 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 can people do this on their own? Yes, they can. Yeah. If they want to do it themselves, it's going to take a little bit of legwork, but you can absolutely do it today. Um, what you want to think about is, as I mentioned initially, scope. Build out a scope for yourself. Ask yourself questions like what kind of titles, what kind of locations, what kind of salary expectations, and what industries you want to target, because that's what we would ask our clients. So the, the initial uh, hurdle for a lot of people is, I mean, when I talk to them, they're like, I don't know what I want to do, or I'm not really sure if I'm a good fit for this role. Well, find it out yourself, do a little bit of research, take a day or two, yeah. um, sit down and, you know, take, a, you know, have a cup of coffee while you're doing that, spruce the internet and find jobs. Because majority of these roles are listed on like say job boards like LinkedIn or Indeed and other places. So if you were to look at some of these job postings, you'll see that there's gonna be similarities coming up because these employers, there's so many ways that they could ask for certain details and they're gonna run out of words to ask for certain details at some point. So when you're looking at multiple job postings, you're gonna see, oh, cross-functional collaboration. That came up 35 times. 
So that means that's definitely something that I need to add to my my resume. Okay. When you're building the resume, don't just add content for the sake of adding content or inputting, oh, this is a keyword, I better add it. Well, when you're doing that, you're kind of going shuffling so much of words and content, you, the, the actual meaning might get morphed. Um, of, when you're discussing certain details. So so build out a list first is my first, um, you know, first clue of the whole process yeah. is figure out what they're looking for and then talk about those things on the resume in that order. So if you can put it into a priority list based order um, saying, oh, years of experience is number one. Cross-functional team collaboration came up number two. They're looking for specific technology like CRM, number three. Um, they're asking for you to have people skills, number four. So just like going through a list of items would help you to assemble the resume correctly. So yes, it is It is absolutely something you can do. And also ChatGPT is out there as well. So you could use that platform yeah, as yeah. well for your... Okay. Um are, are you also hearing like another thing I've heard during the job search was that sometimes companies will put up job postings on their site or through a Indeed or LinkedIn or anything like that, but they, they, they put postings up for positions that they never intend to fill, uh, whether it's a legal requirement or, you know, they might have an internal candidate, but there's still a rule that says they have to go and look for outside job possibilities. Is there a way mm -hmm. for a job candidate to detect whether the position they might be applying for is a real one? Or is that still a, a problem that you just have to, you know, guess at that point? It, you know, what? How do, how, do, how do you address that issue? So there are many different things that are behind the scenes that you cannot see, right? One of them is that we don't know why they posted a job like that. Is it just because they want to fill in a criteria? They maybe have someone already list, I mean, like a friend or a colleague or someone who wants to start that position or maybe boss's friend or boss's relatives who would take up that, that position. You don't know, right? So we don't know why that's happening for the time being, but Either way, what you could do is you could do a little bit of research about the company and the standing, and then also their standing in, in the present market space, space. Say, look look through Google reviews that they have had. Uh, look at Glassdoor reviews. Employees are gonna talk about these things openly sometimes, right? So they might come in as unanimous and then talk about, or anonymous, and then talk about these these issues online or social media, uh, Spruce, LinkedIn as well. If they're more likely posting a role on LinkedIn, they're probably serious because it's expensive to post. And those roles you might find on like recruiters and yeah, Indeed yeah. that are a little bit cheaper on the, on the end. So I would even look at, okay, can I look at Indeed and see the same exact posting on LinkedIn? More likely it's a real opportunity, yeah. I would say. Okay. All right, uh, uh, Chewy, thanks again for, for chatting with us on the show today about this. A lot of great stuff, a lot of great tips. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully if, if people are looking for a job that uh, is out there, that they'll uh, you know, utilize some of these tools and services and, and tips. So thanks for joining us on the show. You bet, Keith. Thanks for having me. Yep. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, thanks for watching. That's all the time we have for the show today. If uh, Please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel uh, if you want more videos like this, and add any comments you have below. Join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.